0: Cryptozoology And all subjects Of theosophic truth Esotericism And the occult the Beyond are the top secret Dexin podcast Greetings everybody out there in dreamland I would say and shalom Iron sharpens iron And a friend sharpens a friend very much for tuning in to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am your host, the Beyond Top Secret Texan, broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. We have an incredible presentation. We are going to be speaking about the United States Navy and their black budget programs, which unlike the Air Force, were designed to completion and then quote unquote cancelled in terms of mass production and induction into service deployment around the globe, which would have exposed their secrets and the designs and the strategies for implementing these incredible, almost miraculous aircraft that operate literally like no other aircraft ever. And and thus, the entire realm of this discussion is undoubtedly kept secret and beyond top secret in many cases. But what we do know is historical. Uh, and by that nearly 50 to 60 even 70 years old in concept sometimes Um, as well as uh, with precedent but leading us to think hypothetically as to what alterations streamlining designs perfections of uh, engineering issues are novel concepts that were being used in the aeronautics for these extremely experimental but theoretically sound theoretically absolutely 100% justified in their creation and implementation with the only excuse not uh, being not the failure or performance uh failure of the platform itself. But budget, almost 99% of these cases are declined and thus cancelled and by decline, by decline by the United States Navy and Department of the Navy, uh, not even the United States Navy active duty proper as a warfighting organization because the Department of the Navy is the civilian and military officer cabinet organization that runs the budget and organization manpower and administration issues of the United States Navy as well as the United States Marine Corps that's um, the Department of the Navy. And this is how the Navy is able to keep a lot of these things absolutely secret because, one, the Navy is extremely obscure because it is a well-kept secret <laughs> because it is a matter of national security and because naval spying is one of the most fundamental spying uh, operations of the world the Navy had a larger intelligence network than any American organization up until the creation of the OSS um, Navy intelligence was one of the only military intelligence organizations uh, you know ranging back since the colonial times um, and they do that obfuscation of their true purpose and talents and experiences completely on purpose because it is to not even get people curious enough to ask questions that they don't have to answer or deny Um, in terms of plausible deniability it is all down to budget and they pretend like they don't have funding which is a ludicrous principle on its own And when you think about the Navy As in terms of both its funding And the shit it spends money on And and I am absolutely convinced And this is 100% Something I'm going to prove That the Navy is the De facto ruler of America And that all the Air Force and Army Secrecy, CIA NSA, NRO, all of that is a, is half of the U.S. Navy's total secrecy for the last three hundred years of its operation, and it's it's absolutely uh, right in front of everybody's face. It's just that they have such an iron grip on on everything that it's hard to see the bars, you know, when you've been raised in prison. All your life it's, it's hard to see the actual Absolute control they have on American culture Because it's literally shaped Everything from the flag that's in courtrooms To the language That we've used And and that's not what we're talking about right now though. We're talking about this uh, Amazing amount of engineering That they are capable of And this Extreme amount of Conceptual Aeronautics that they pursue and even though everyone gives credit to the Air Force as being the leading air power in the world the U.S. Navy is a superior Air Force and the U.S. Navy wing does have everything the Air Force has you know, and then some because they had space technologies as well, way before Space Force and the U.S. Navy um Officers have been astronauts and run the uh, space command and the the real life space command, and you know it goes into it into it into it. That that is absolutely um, one and the same. One and the same. Bob Lazar, for example, in Area Fifty One, his paychecks were paid by U.S. Navy uh, Research Center, and. Uh, research and development center. And yeah, that's absolutely who pays the employees of Area 51. It's not the Air Force. The Area 51 is a US Navy base. And this is what I, this is what people need to fucking understand is that it's not the Air Force that's doing like half of this shit. It's the US Navy and that's who's. That's why they're making disclosure because the U.S. Air Force was the one that didn't know about it and was trying to investigate it, and the U.S. Navy was just sitting there, like, "Oh, I don't know who, what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Flying saucers, what? <laughs> it's like, what? What are you talking about? Well, they were literally seeing them all the time and every day, and they like, it, it, they found Atlantis. That's what I was saying. Like, at some point, you got to admit, like the world is 75% ocean I think the, I think it's, it's, it's so obvious in the writings on the wall as the immensity of this organization that they could easily hide the full scale production and implementation of aircraft like the ones I'm going to describe um, in this broadcast. They are absolutely able to maintain facilities to produce Uh, These around the world They are absolutely able to possess the bases And uh, facilities And and keep these Strategically organized and arranged uh, And actively serving In any real hostilities That they would need to In the defense of any American interest And by that I mean Any United States interest Uh, And by that I mean Any U.S. Navy interest Needs of the Navy So, let's get into the discussion of these amazing U.S. Navy concept craft that still remain, quote-unquote, canceled and hypothetically non-existent off the books, but which are, just to the casual observer, very real, and very much, if they have already been retired, that's understandable but even though they were created in the 50s and 60s in these Cold War programs, of the Cold War mindset um, does not mean that they were inferior designs or that they would be obsolete by any other measure especially because they were so advanced to begin with and these are incredible, incredible feats of engineering and they are not Impossible. They are not, no matter how incredible they sound, they are not impossible by modern physics. They were absolutely proven concepts. In 1962, the US Navy had a submarine problem. Unknown threats under the sea had become nuclear. Their solution was to create a jet aircraft that could track submarines and then attack them underwater. an impossible <laughs> order. They needed to be able to fly at mock speeds, locate submarines, act as a seaplane, and then pursue submarines in their own environment, underwater. This was the Convair Submerging Seaplane. Since World War II, submarine defense had become a unique staple of wartime efforts. German U-boats had hunted Allied convoys in both world wars, and with the invention of the submarine-launched cruise missile, the submarines termed boomers posed the greatest threat to land-based cities in history. The age of jet engines provided additional opportunities to increase the tactics for anti-submarine warfare. The U.S. Navy seized upon the opportunity to have a plane with the speed of a jet and commissioned four different studies to pursue the investigative studies of submarine attack planes. Nearly half a million dollars was poured into this project. first design was a vertical takeoff and landing plane, a VTOL that could submerge beneath the waves with retractable jet engines. It was designed to be hydrodynamic, able to cruise like a torpedo, and even included portholes for visual viewing. It was deemed the least aerodynamic and unable to carry the heavy payload the US Navy desired. The second was a ram wing concept with collapsible wings that looked traditionally like a fixed wing or a swift wing jet craft, much like the F 14, but of a much larger scale. But once landed into the water, could retract its wings into its fuselage, forming into a more hydrodynamic design, reducing drag. It would use multi multipurposed jet engines, which could also serve as torpedo tubes. in the water. The third was a combination of two crafts, with a VTOL jet plane carrying a mini-sub. The VTOL aircraft was conventional, with the submarine being detached as a typical torpedo payload. Once in the water it be able to deploy Theoretically with an atomic warhead On a torpedo Or special forces For deployment Covertly at great range The fourth Is the one that was completed The fourth is the one they selected The fourth design's true name was the Convair General Electric high-density seaplane. High-density because it was created to survive the pressures of deep water. The plane would be 50.5 feet long, 15.39 meters, and have a wingspan of 39 feet, or 11.88 meters. The plane would have three turbojet engines that would be waterproof and have the ability to seal when underwater. It would have a retractable hydro ski that it would deploy during takeoffs and landings on the surface of the water, making it a true seaplane, not carrier based like the Beatles. It would also have a turbine engine and prop in the back that would allow it to maneuver in the water. Its range was thus split between flight and underwater travel. It had a range of 500 nautical miles while in pure flight At a much shorter range of 50 miles underwater just shy of a hundred kilometers for speed it was capable of 225 knots or 258 miles per hour with 417 kilometers per hour and it's three turbojet engines were sufficient enough to carry its weight due to its hardened hull. Underwater, it would maneuver at a speed of 5 knots, or 6 miles per hour, 9 kilometers per hour. A maximum time of 10 hours underwater. It would have airtight engines, a closed off fuel tank, and a crew compartment with an oxygen supply with the rest of the plane flooding with water to reach a dive depth of 75 feet or 22 meters below the surface. The pitch meeting by the engineers at Convair was answered when a call went out to enable aircraft carrier that an enemy submarine was suspected to be nearby. The conveyor would scramble to an altitude of 200,000 feet above sea level. Which would allow it to deploy electronic countermeasures and spot any activity of the submarine. It would then be able to land on the water using the hydro skis before diving below the waves. It would then be able to deploy a payload of up to 440 kilograms. Before being able to surface and return back to its home base Or hold its position and report back any intelligence A solid design and concept for its day It would have been the perfect ambush craft for Cold War-era submarines and made a great submarine hunter with unorthodox strategies. It was a revolutionary answer to an engineering challenge. Convair would disclose this publicly in 1975. And the Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics was so intrigued that they publicly worked on it for six months. ...and helped create the presentation to the U.S. Navy Bureau of Weapons. But of course, as I previously stated, many of these are cancelled by the Department of the Navy... ...at certain stages of their proposals before official mass production occurs... This concept of transmedium from flight to submarine deployment, I think, was of such great interest that it immediately became a matter of national security and was absorbed into the Black Project programs. Which would help explain a lot of the USOs being seen currently in the coastal waters around the United States, as well as the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. It is because the US Navy, since 1975, was working with these Convair engineers. think tanks with ARPA soon to be DARPA and various other assets that they control metallurgists material scientists physicists etc now it is my idea that they have perfected drone technology very early on and much earlier than this For 1975 was the formation of Solar Warden, which would later be constructed and actually deployed in the 1980s. And this is absolutely a part of it, as the United States has more ocean to control, more knowledge of the world. And that these crafts apply to the creation of space planes, and various other space craft that could operate equally underwater as flying either as an anti-submarine turret. or in this case a first strike option for the United States Navy Imagine this hypothetical if you will deep on the ocean floor off the coast of Russia. A terror looking. The world has never seen. Its team of nine received orders to strike a military base deep within Soviet territory. The nuclear reactor spurs a like sucking in seawater, instantly equalizing into a steep trail. The submarine rises like a ballistic missile and breaching the ocean using a nuclear range jet. The submarine, is now a, the fastest plane in the U.S. airway, reaches Mach 3. Strikes with its nuclear payload before returning back into the ocean. Two Sin and return to function as a submarine. This terror of the sea is the Convair submersible nuclear ramjet, aka the flying submarine. 1961. needs of Edge against the Soviet Union, turning to Convair, the previous designer of the anti-submarine submersible jet, high this jet as previously mentioned, as well as other incredible, which we will get to in their own separate episodes, unmanned nuclear drones. Aircraft Carrier Mach 3 strike craft. Convair is this entire program of Black Project, as is Rockwell, as is Howard Hughes. The US Navy wasn't satisfied. They needed something to shoot. With the same power and turret capacity of a submarine, but operating able to extend from the coast to a considerable range, using the flexibility of a manned aircraft as well as the secrecy of a submarine, the team of Conbear came up with a top secret flight project submersible ramjet unlike any other aircraft designed of that era, resembled more of a manned nuclear missile. Diameter of 8 feet and a length of 180 feet. Two fuel tanks, forward and aft, with its engines and ramjet positioned at the rear. A nuclear reactor serving as the engine in the middle of the fuselage. When underwater, it would have a sea weight of 350,000 pounds. When the ballast tanks were empty, it would reduce to 240,000 pounds. It could carry 24 nuclear weapons, deployable by parachute over enemy territory. This would give time for the planes to escape, as well as offering a delayed and staggered bombing run. Solidly ballistic missiles were still an emerging technology, and many of the strategic conceptions of use, or concepts of use would be a manned ballistic missile deliberate multi-stage nuclear payloads. The speed would suck in water. I mean, sorry, the engines would suck in water. Boil the seawater instantly, and we Convert to steam, giving it a speed of 100 knots underwater and Mach 3 for traveling through the atmosphere. The same technology, with the exact same thing, used to develop hyper-speed torpedoes for the Navy. In many ways, it was. Effectively, both a torpedo and a missile. A projection of this engine is even calculated to achieve 200 knots underwater. That's a submarine designed in the early 1960s with theoretical speed of 200 knots under the water. Just let that sink in. This submarine would also have the ability to fly. The ballast tank that kept it submerged at its depth would be converted to its fuel to enable it to fly. It would be powered by nuclear reactors converting seawater to steam. A 600 megawatt reactor. give it a rocket thrust, getting it Mach 3 to Mach 4 speeds at low altitude. Wherever there's water and air, there's fuel for this Ramjet, with its service life being limited only by the survival supplies and life support needs of the crew. This immersible nuclear ramjet mission be one of a quick retaliatory nuclear strike. Achieve mutual assured destruction, or as needed, a deadly first striker. It could be brought via submarine to its deployment's location off the coast, whatever targets the nation. Or be deployed even from aircraft carriers. Allowing great flexibility and long distance power projection. And even deployed with life support systems that are being currently used by NASA. Effectively steam power, it operated the same principle of a submarine-launched ballistic missile. We would take advantage of a radar's weakness to detect objects low to the ground. As well as mitigating any chance at interception by an enemy's air force. As, it, it, as its mass decreased, its speed would increase. And it would deploy its weapon systems overhead. Unlike a traditional bomber, our traditional subsonic bomber rather, deploys them from the underside of the fuselage. The nuclear bomb will slowly come to a rest on the ground before detonating. The jet having a chance to safely outrun any detonation range. Once in a safe area, it would deploy special drag brakes from its nose cone and in a process very similar to SpaceX's reusable rocket attempts, be able to align itself to properly descend vertically back into the ocean, where it would be able to refill its ballast tanks effectively refueling itself and either using its underwater propulsion to either continue its mission or wait for the navy to recover it and its crew. It's incredible design. was once again absolutely designed theorized tested to completion but the Navy declares it was only a theoretical design concept and that technology made it obsolete which I don't think is a wrong statement. But I think that this technology was repurposed for both UAV and ballistic missile technologies. Ballistic missiles being able to deploy without a submarine, operated by essentially a computer, same as a drone, but deployed in the exact same manner as the nuclear powered ramjet, using the nuclear ramjet for its efficiency and performance. One absolute direct descendant, at least Spiritually, is Project Pluto, which is a multi-stage nuclear missile, ballistic missile, that can travel around the world's circumference many times over at hypersonic speeds using nuclear propulsion as both a world-killing weapon, a revenge weapon, and it stands as probably the most terrifying weapon of mass destruction the United States has created. even weirder is that the Pluto Missile was officially planned to crash itself into the Marianas Trench as to avoid the massive amount of radiation potential meltdown of the missile may cause if it had crashed anywhere else. But I think that's because it would be collected, being able to survive such a descent, having its design the same as the nuclear flying submarine. The deployment of such nuclear powered strike, first assault capable, preemptive strike capable missiles, and atomic weapons platforms really. To bloom with America's echronoplane projects. Obscure and intentionally obscure history is that of America's involvement with designing echronoplanes or echronoplanes, which take advantage of a physical phenomenon wherein a flying object keeping extremely close to the surface of the water can benefit from amazing efficiencies of aerodynamics as well as a cushion of air that literally carries most of the aircraft's weight making it extremely fuel efficient, capable of reaching very fast speeds, and essentially allowing for a scale of aircraft, a scale of platform, that would be impossible using any other method of travel. USSR created one of these like chronoplanes in the Cold War called the Caspian Sea Monster It was huge, it used fright, frightening new physics and terrified the West But the United States countered with their own design called the Parwig With over 20 crew members and a range of 2,000 nautical miles. With a secret payload of four nuclear Trident missiles. This is the American-made acronoplane. There is even a debate between the United Kingdom on one side and the United States and European Union on the other on the proper classification of a wing and ground, a.k.a. wig effect, utilizing craft. With the UK considering it an aeroplane, or an aircraft, and the United States of the European Union considering them ships, the same as a hovercraft. During this, I will be considering it an aircraft. The WIG aircraft, wing and ground aircraft, can fly at extremely low altitudes for an extremely long range, well below the range of most radar systems. WIG also allows for much heavier cargo and five times the fuel efficiency. Of conventional aircrafts at higher altitudes. Unfortunately, there are more theoretical downsides: low speeds and the low altitudes themselves. They lack maneuverability. Act more like straight shots in terms of traveling between point to point. The Parwig is the name, the PARWIG the American ecrenoplane design it is theorized this was a an attempt at creating a tighter first strike Capable Pacific Fleet, as the rough and stormy Atlantic Oceans would prove too difficult of terrain for any acroplane utilizing the WIG effect to safely pass. This is also a theoretical limitation for the Akronoplane design in that it's unable to operate within a storm due to the pitch of the seas and waves. But ideally, traveling the smooth yet vast glass-like surfaces of the shallow Indo-Pacific are the still almost painted waters of the mid-Pacific to American and South American coasts, such as the waters around Hawaii, the Akronoplane design, would excel. The first to design of the Akronoplane model was in 1935 by a Finland native of Finn. And this was mastered by the Soviet Union with the Akronoplane KM dubbed the Caspian Sea Monster developed in the 1960s for military cargo transport and military delivery applications in the Black Sea. The Soviet Superplane Programme rattled Area 51. The CIA even designed a drone named Aquiline to spy on this project specifically. The corner plane's wing and ground effect is due to its unique wing design with negative angled winglets. Of such a large platform, saw the development in the USSR of the power augmented ram wing and ground effect, which is the power augmented ram wing and ground, the PAR wig. With the correct engine placement, a air cushion was created underneath the wings and the fuselage creating a hydroplane effect in greater lift. By 1977, the United States Navy had already designed these concepts and placed an order for a matching ekranoplane. But unlike the Caspian Sea, it had its sights set on transoceanic deployments. 1977 in Maryland the sea control mission design as well as potentially passenger and troop deployment as well as cargo deployment designed a chronoplane was also very sneakily convertible to a nuclear Deterrent. Four GM 96A Trident ballistic missiles could be kept as a payload. Fireable when the aircraft reached a halt at its destination. The American power wing design involved a reverse delta clipped wing trapping the air cushion as it generated it and using vector thrust jet engines with four of the engines shutting down once maximum speed has been reached, with a total six engines only being used for acceleration, and the amazing efficiency of the wig effect being used to coast as well as maintain fuel. 2,000 nautical mile range would allow it to reach from Los Angeles to Hawaii or from Hawaii to Alaska the Aleutian Islands in Alaska or from Hawaii to Guam and of course refueling was available as well as potentially and no doubt external fuel sources like tanks which would extend the deployments probably even to Japan the Philippines or Australia in theory the Parwig would be too fast to be stopped by ships and submarines and too far out to sea to be attacked by conventional military aircrafts deployed from the shore Furthermore, it was thought that the aircraft could be fitted with a high number of smaller more nimble cruise missiles as well as various torpedo payloads. Its potential as a missile ship, like a frigate, is obvious. It would have a crew of 20, a wingspan of 146 feet, or 44 meters, with a total area Internally of 10,225 feet squared, with a gross weight of 2,090,000 pounds, with an empty weight of uh, 6,270, 627,000 pounds. Sorry, with a speed of 180, with a maximum of 400 knots. with an expected average cruise altitude of 12 feet. The American Parwig could loiter for 10 days at sea. the official reasoning for why it did not go into mass production our deployment during the Cold War to secure the Pacific and bolster our nuclear deterrent and protect our coasts and interests in the Pacific post-Vietnam was because it was deemed unnecessary for America did not have a enemy of parity operating in the Pacific during the late 70s and they want us to believe that the project was never returned to that the aeronautic engineers were never given their due and that the project was never restarted at a future date but everything about it was absolutely legitimate and valid in terms of mission effectiveness potential and realistic physical prowess of a ship, an aircraft using the wing and ground effect. Deployed with missiles for far ranges, preliminary strikes, as well as fast responsive troop and equipment carriers. Now, that concept of the Akronoplane Troop Carrier in 1976 may have seemed unnecessary. But for the sake of it being constructed to help an already dominating force continue to dominate... then we can only imagine that that was the first generation of such a being constructed with even greater being made to create entire black budget navies of such incredible weapons platforms in the mid 80's one man had a dream A dream of an Akronoplane that would be almost 10 times bigger than that of the Soviet Union's Caspian Sea Monster. This would be designed by the Americans. So large it would be considered a flying city. With enough seats for up to 3,000 passengers... If so desired, with possible specializations as a hospital to a cruise liner, but with the ultimate intentions being as a military cargo craft. capable of carrying hundreds of tanks nuclear warheads on dozens of ballistic missiles as well as even serving as a flying aircraft carrier who was the madman behind this concept and why didn't it replace the aircraft carrier for the 21st century well the answer to the first question is a man named Hooker and the second is I believe they have and already operate a modernized full fleet of the AeroCon dash 1.6 wing ship. The AeroCon dash 1.6 wing ship. This would put our naval fleets literally on another level compared to standardized ship-based navies. Without a shadow of a doubt. Ensuring the United States Navy domination into the 21st century if indeed no other nation was deploying or employing such a progressive and incredibly efficient combat system. Spies, in the 60s began reporting this hybrid weapons platform known as the Caspian Sea Monster which literally created a new concept, a new classification of aircraft and it was predicted that there would be no upward size limits similar machines employing the same propulsion methods with rumors being the Soviet Union planning everything from troop transports that would one day invade the west coast to literal flying aircraft carriers The U.S. Navy, not to be outclassed during the arms race of the Cold War, was approached by Stephen Hooker, an aeronautical engineer who was obsessed after witnessing the Caspian Sea Monster in person as he was working for the DIA. as an analyst discovering the experimental craft. Resigning from his post, he set out to work and create an American version, which I no doubt believe to be very obviously the CIA paying this aeronautical engineer and transferring him away from their files due to Soviet spying within the agency to further hide him in the black project world becoming a private contractor which is the most secure way of keeping a secret creating a ground effect Aircraft with the formidable cargo capacities desired by the modernized military and intelligence groups such as the CIA. Hooker wanted the craft to have the range of a naval ship and to be a wing and ground effect utilizing aircraft, designing a new wing shape with a simplified design relying on its massive size to form the ideal efficiency of the air bubble trapped beneath its titanic wingspan. Being so big, too big to fail. The aircraft was made for transatlantic travel, as well as transpacific travel. But remember as I said before that the Atlantic is prone to storms With this design able to actually gain lift and operate within High-pitched and rolling sieves The Aeron 1.6 Wingship Was built on a scale That was truly gargantuan. Its payload was 1,400 tons. Converted to that of a 747, it could carry 3,000 passengers comfortably. Or 2,000 fully armed troops plus armored vehicle and helicopter support. Its cargo capacity would be 32 Bell helicopters, 20 M1A1 Abrams tanks, 4 hovercraft or landing craft like the duck or marine type uh, amphibious craft and 300 howitzers 105 millimeter. and 2,000 troops complete with their food and personal kits. 20 engines would power this aircraft. At 400 kilonewtons each, it'd be enough to power from Washington D.C. to Sri Lanka, or a range of 10,000 nautical miles, they could travel from Los Angeles to Hong Kong. It could travel completely around the Western American Continent. It had a range of 18,500 kilometers or 11,507 miles. And no doubt with the previously mentioned ability to create fuel from salt water and nuclear engines one could have converted such a craft, the Dash 1.6 wing into a sea power or a seawater fueled ramjet Type system the capacity and range would allow the United States Navy to project force anywhere in the world at a moment's notice able to deploy 2,000 Marines within hours to any country it so choosed The aircraft would stand at 34 meters tall and be 173 meters long. It would boast a wingspan of 100 meters across. For the standard measurement, it would be 112 feet tall. It would be 566 feet long. And it would be 340 feet across from wingtip to wingtip. It would have a total wing area of 3,597 meters squared, or 38,720 feet squared. It's a wide wing. The airship's large, wide wings would be 20 feet in height. way of comparison the weight of this craft was 1,627 tons or 3,588,000 pounds it was 12 times the weight of a Boeing 747 but it would be able to carry 32 times the payload, 32 times the payload of a Boeing 747. Each one of these aircraft could do that. It weighed 5,000 tons when fully loaded. With drag being reduced, with the wig, the wing and ground effect, it would be able to fly with very little drag, be the most fuel efficient for weight, transport, and cargo craft ever designed, and would have a top speed of 741 kilometers per hour or 460 miles per hour it would also be able to fly if weather demanded it up to 4,000 meters in altitude remember the Earlier prototype for the American chronoplane had an average altitude of 12 feet, 4 meters. This modern 1980s design, only 10 years afterwards, was able to fly at 4,000 meters if need be. But, understandably, was designed to take full advantage of the ground effect. But in case of self-defense, our extraordinary force majeure, the airship truly was a aircraft, not merely a hovercraft. And many of its design features were implemented in the design of the Space Shuttle, including its ability to glide and the aerodynamics used with it. Once again, this project was cut on the block of the budgeteers, the budget cushioners. Even though $5 million was given to him through ARPA, the Advanced Research Projects Agency, before it was switched to DARPA, Defense Agency Research Projects Agency, to test the viability and create models for aerodynamics testing once the data was received June 1995 ARPA releasing estimated reports of 13 of these craft costing the US taxpayer 15.2 billion dollars Which is just the cost of 63 C 17 cargo craft, 69 sea lift shifts, or 102 C 2 cargo aircraft, but still significantly cheaper than our current fleet of aircraft carriers. amphibious landing craft helicopter carriers as well as various other troop transport ships for 13 of these that would serve de facto as a alternative carrier fleet for rapid response I don't buy it. I think they went through with the purchase and with the acquisition, manufacture, construction of these craft, I believe, that they used submarine docks that they have located all over the world, constructed in the Cold War, to keep them. I believe that they are stationed in bases such as Diego Garcia and other far-removed remote submarine and Navy bases. And I believe that they do exactly what they were created to do. To provide fast, near-immediate responses to situations occurring anywhere in the known world. As long as they are attached to a coastline, they can be reached by any number of these craft with any number of support. One could, ca- a squadron of three, for example, could have a weaponized missile, first strike capable artillery type craft. A frigate, a converted frigate, provide first strike capabilities as well as any necessary artillery strikes to support the other two which would be operating as a troop transport for specialists, advisors, the first responding marines, while the third is the cargo and material Transport craft carrying the armored vehicles, helicopter support, ammunition, as well as anything else necessary. Even operating as a field hospital or highly mobile air response craft. Able to deliver helicopter support, VTOL, fighter support, and able to manage the fuel and munitions necessary for that. With the amount of speed, mobility, and range of these craft. They could easily cycle out and never be without support and never be outmaneuvered and never be pinned or trapped, especially if operating with conventional submarines, electronic warfare and space logistics. Not every enemy that the United States and especially not every enemy of the United States Navy is human. And thus, there would be no Geneva Convention. And no military-industrial complex to satisfy with a profitable war. Merely victory, purely victory, is the motivator for all strategies, technologies, and activities. And if anyone could continue the production and design of these incredibly unorthodox but powerful weapons platforms, it would be the United States Navy. If anyone could secure the funding for the creation of fleets of these, squadrons of these, it would be the United States Navy and the price tag of 15.7 billion dollars is equal to the 2 billion per B2 price tag that the Air Force currently thinks is a great deal and is seeking to expand their current stock of B2s into the hundreds whereas the B-2 allows for covert preemptive strikes as well as retaliatory strikes and air supremacy the American-made wing ship would allow for total naval dominance as well as force projection superiority almost a century ahead of its time. It is almost unimaginable to not consider America at least of having created conceived of 13, let alone double or triple that figure since the 1980s, as well as the constant revisitation, perfection, and evolution of such concepts with modern supercomputers as ARPA has developed into DARPA. I have been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You've been listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Thank you all very much, listeners new and old alike. If you would like to keep up to date with notifications, with uploads, with posts and my activities check out my social media instagram twitter all of that jazz you can check it out through Linktree slash beyond top secret texan all one word lowercase link tree slash beyond top secret texan all my episodes are free you can find them on podpagecom slash beyond top texan which is my webpage, which also is available through Linktree/slash/beyond-top-secret-texan, as well as my many other places that I upload to. Uh, basically, follow and use the Linktree/slash/beyond-top-secret-texan web address to access all of my social media. Please give it a like, follow, a thumbs up, whatever, five star review. Thank you very much. It's free to do and it helps me out immensely. You're the greatest audience out there in dreamland. Thank you. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Peace out.